isn't typically your Christmas verse. You're going to look at it and go, how did he pick this and how do you get Christmas out of this? And what I will say is if there's any problems with that, Allie will be out at the Connect booth and she'll give you Stan's email and phone number so you can complain to him. But I think we'll find that, that it applies, that, there's some, uh, that it's appropriateness. So when I say the word Christmas, Christmas, what do, what do you think of when I say the word Christmas? When I say that word, I heard one, one person over here, Christ. So you think of Jesus, you think of Mary and Joseph, you think of the whole nativity scene in Bethlehem. Maybe you think of family and friends. You, you think of nice things. But maybe, also, maybe because of all the busyness, all the stuff that's going on at Christmas, you get kind of anxious. You get maybe tense. You get worried. You get stressed. You worry about all the bills that are going to come in January. And maybe because you work in some place and you work for somewhere where you can't use the word Christmas, maybe you're afraid you're going to alienate somebody or you're going to offend somebody. That you, maybe you're afraid you can't use the word Christmas. And then maybe there's some of us, I don't know if there is today, but maybe there's some of us that we just don't know God. We don't know anything about God. We don't want anything to do with it, and so we become angry. We become angry because this is a holiday that Christians celebrate. We become ho- angry because of this holiday called Christmas. It brings it to the name of my title today of when did Christmas become a bad word? When did that become a bad word? Now, you saw I brought up this Starbucks, star, and so you probably think there's something in there, but see, there's, no, there's some water. But <laughs> <laughs> um, it's empty. It's just water. But um, remember, when, remember when Starbucks, when they had this big thing, everybody's all in an uproar because they took Christmas off of these cups. Everybody's mad. They want to protest Starbucks. And, well, I had one this morning, so I, you know, I didn't protest it that much. But we got mad at that. Everybody was mad at Starbucks. And this one actually says Merry Coffee on it. So they're kind of playing a trick on that. But we got mad at that. And then some of us, like I said, in work, do we use Christmas outside these church walls? Do we still say Christmas at work? Do we still see Christmas when we go to a store? Do we see, see, still see signs that say Merry Christmas? Or do they say something else? Have we just got away from, from using that word, Merry Christmas? When we, if we're at work at a, at a store, do we wish somebody Merry Christmas? Or are we even allowed to? We'll get fired for that. So a few years ago, as some of you know, I, I, I'm a pharmacist, and so Many years ago, we had a customer come in. It was Christmas Eve. It was late, and I just wanted to go home. My employee wanted to go home, and we're kind of looking at each other like, come on, man. Just what are you doing here for? We need to go home. So we helped the guy get everything done. She's checking him out, giving him his prescription, having him sign everything. And as he's leaving, she goes, Merry Christmas. And the part of the story I didn't tell you is that he was Jewish. So... um, and I kind of laughingly said, I said, I said, you can't say that because he's, he's Jewish. He doesn't celebrate Christmas. So we kind of laugh and have a big joke about that. But that was like 15 or 20 years ago. So I think now, could I even, be a, could I even say that anymore? Or would somebody come back at me and be mad? This guy didn't really care. He didn't have a problem with it. He wasn't offended by it because I think he was used to it. 
Now, when we're Black Friday shopping, I kind of joked about that, but I looked at the ads, I pulled up the ads online, and you know what word was missing? Christmas. I saw one ad that had the word Christmas in it, and that was Hobby Lobby, which you would expect, but it didn't say Christmas sale. The only words that said Christmas when it was talking about Christmas lights or Christmas decor, it didn't say it was a Christmas sale. So even Hobby Lobby, who you would think probably would use Christmas, they didn't use Christmas either. So we also have parties at the end of the year. But they're not called Christmas parties anymore. They're called holiday parties. They're called end-of-the-season parties, end-of-the-year's parties, holiday season parties. You know, at schools, we have, can't use Christmas parties again also. We can't have Christmas plays. We can't have Christmas anything. We have to remove anything that has to do with Christmas because we're worried about offending people. Well, what they call them is maybe celebration of winter. Well, I don't know about you, but yesterday morning, I wasn't celebrating. <laughs> and I'm hearing a looking a lot of laughs, and I'm going, I don't think you were celebrating either. Ask my wife. I know she wasn't celebrating. She was not happy. But um, I don't like winter, so I don't want to celebrate winter. So maybe we should protest and say, I don't want celebration of winter because I'm offended. So I don't like winter. Maybe I could say I hate winter. But that's what these people say about Christmas. Christmas is banned. So in a classroom, some of us might be teachers, so I figured, okay, what can we use in a classroom? What, instead of Christmas parties, what do they do? So there's some things you can have and some things you can't. So things that you can't are things like a Christmas tree. Can't have a Christmas tree. Obvious reasons, because it's Christmas and Christ is in that, so we can't have Christmas trees. Well, tree ornaments go on Christmas trees, so no tree ornaments. Because if we have tree ornaments, they go on a Christmas tree, so that reminds us of Christmas, so no tree ornaments. Now, this one, no Santa Claus or reindeer. Can't have those either, because they're too closely associated with Christmas. So I can't have those. This one is, is good. So no candy canes. So what's the shape of a candy cane? Shepherd, exactly. It's shaped in a shepherd's cane. It's got a little hook there. So it reminds people of Christmas. Which obviously, if you can't have shepherds, then you can't have nativity sets. Because then you have all of the people in the nativity. You have Jesus and Mary and Joseph and all, the, whole, the whole group. No red and green colors. So this Starbucks, this would be banned. Because red and green, that's too closely associated with Christmas. So you might ask, what's safe? Well, snowflakes are safe. We had lots of those yesterday. <laughs> snow globes. Snow globes are safe, and I'm assuming that's if they don't have anything that's on this previous list inside of them. So maybe they just have snowflakes in them. You can have gingerbread. You can have sugar cookies, apple cider, and hot cocoa. So for today, that would be a politically correct classroom. So that brings me to the first blank is the problem. So we're in this situation where we're so worried about using the word Christmas that I think we forgot why Jesus was born. We forgot the significance of his birth. We maybe even forgot 
what, the, what, Christmas is, what Christmas really is. We don't want to risk alienate somebody. You know, we get wrapped up in our Friday shopping. We get wrapped up in the presents. We get wrapped up in the busyness of the whole thing of Christmas. We get wrapped up in the time off from work. Or maybe we become angry because we've got to work during those. And we just, like I said, we forget Christmas is a holiday. We forget what the holiday is about. In fact, there was a poll that I read that I came across. It said 30%, they found 30% of the people don't even know the story of, of the Christmas. They don't even know the story of Jesus' birth. 30%. So today, the text we're going to read is out of the Gospel of John. The first verse, all of you guys are going to know. Probably could look at this outline and you could see that verse. Oh, I know that verse. So if you want to grab the Bible underneath your chair, it's page 1065. It'll be on your screen. And let's just read that. Just for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So like I said, verse 16, everybody recognize that verse? It's one we see all the time. We see it on TV screens, football games, all of those things. You know, a lot of us probably even have that verse memorized. Maybe one of the first verses we, we ever memorized. But the following verses, have we really read those? I'm sure we've read them, but we ever really paid attention to them? You know, the world sees at sporting events, they see us hold up these signs. And maybe the world goes and thinks about, you know, here's those darn Christians. Here's those darn Christians trying to force their religion down my throat. Every chance they get, they hold up that sign. Telling me what to believe. They're judging me. They're maybe condemning me. They're excluding me. So maybe the problem itself really isn't Christmas. Maybe the problem is how the world maybe sees Christians. Maybe it's how they see us. It's a world, it's a view that they see. Maybe they see us as racist. Maybe they see us as homophobic, Islamophobic, something phobic. See us as judgment, judgmental, forceful, prejudiced intolerant then i think we can make lots and lots of lists of what maybe the world sees us as the news is full of it they say all kinds of things true or not true but that's what that's what the world sees so in fact one study of millennials which i'm not going to pick on millennials i'm just stating this fact because myself and many of us in the room millennials are the ones that are going to take care of us when i'm older and we need someone to take care of us. So they found 18% see Christianity as relevant in their lives. That's a pretty small number. Most of the world doesn't see Christianity as any value. So like I said, maybe the problem isn't Jesus. Maybe it's not Christmas. Maybe the problem, like I said, is what the world thinks of Christians. Maybe the world view is opposite of what John is saying in these following verses. The world doesn't see love, but what they see is maybe hate, discrimination, exclusion, judging. 
Maybe the world sees Jesus as coming to condemn the world, not to save the world. So that's the next point on the outline is the reality. Let's look at verse 17 again. It'll be up on the screen. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So if the world thinks that we're here to condemn them, I think they have that backwards. Seeing the world sees Jesus and his church coming to condemn them, to judge them. Maybe one would even say to hate them, exclude them, not welcome them. So the world wants nothing to do with it. want to turn their back. The world sees Jesus in Christmas and Christians as, well, unattractive. We'll come back to that word later. So last summer, as some of you know, Stan, we went through the, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians. Galatians 5. Those are Galatians 5, through 23. And those fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I don't see any of those other words on the list of condemnation and exclusion and hate. I don't see anything that would be unattractive on that list. I don't see anything that, if that's what we're about, if that's the fruits of the Spirit and what's supposed to be in us, I don't see anything that says, I don't want to be any part of that. I don't want to see anything that says, I want to distance myself from that. I don't see anything that people would be offended by. Yet, the world seems to want nothing to do with Jesus. They want to turn their back. They want to turn his back on the followers. Isaiah has some prophecy of Jesus. We've heard some of those prophecies. The, the type of life that Jesus is going to come to live, the, suffer, the suffering that he's going to have. And it's this kind of life that it doesn't sound like it's a life to come to offend people. It's a couple of verses in Isaiah I want to look at. First one is Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Doesn't sound like that's a lot of fun. Verse 53, 11. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins. Word righteous meaning proven innocent. Word righteous meaning that, that um, <coughs> for us to be counted as innocent, that he'll pay a penalty, that he'll bear all of our sins. Doesn't sound like Jesus came to hate us. Doesn't sound like Jesus came to offend us. In fact, these verses make it sound like Jesus came to suffer for us. Came to pay the price for us. It's, like I said, it's not a life that I would necessarily choose. Let's look at a couple more verses. Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 1 Timothy 1.15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves fullest acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I said Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. In fact, we've already taken care of that. We've already taken care of condemning ourselves. 
all of mankind was already born in. When you're born, you've already faced that reality of you're condemned. But Jesus came to swallow, to, came to save the world. Now when I said the word, we're all condemned, you all kind of looked at me, whoa, I don't like that. I don't like you telling me that. You know, we're all pretty good people. I think we all think ourselves are on the nice list. We're not on that naughty list. But if you read Romans 5, section in Romans 5, it, it makes it pretty clear what I'm saying here. I'm going to read one verse out of Romans 5, Romans 5.18. It'll be on the screen. It says, Consequently, just as a result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. I think that verse sums it up. It says condemnation for all men. That at some point, we were all on the naughty list. We were all on that list. But through one man, that one man being Jesus, we all have a way to get off of that naughty list and onto the nice list. So let's say John 3.17 together. It's going to be on the screen. For God did not send his only son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So what is the reality? What's the reality of what, what we live in today, the world we live in? Verse 16 says, God so loved the world. Now, there's that word love again. I think you guys are going to start thinking that's all I know how to talk about is love. But really, it's, that's what it's, a lot of this is all about is just love. We just can't escape God's love. We just can't do it. So one reality is God loves us. God loves us. Every single one of us. There's a commentator that I read, and this is, these are the words that he put to it. He said, God's love is not selective or discriminating. His love is universal with no limitations. God comes to the whole world in love. He adds, God gave us the very best. He gave us his son, his son Jesus. God gave us this gift out of love. Jesus was God's very best. It was his very best gift to us. And that's what Christmas is about. Jesus' birth was for every single one of us. Everyone. Regardless of where you come from, regardless of your situation. God loves us. Now the reality Jesus came to save us. I think we've heard. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus came to rescue us. Savior is one who delivers us from grave danger. Grave danger of, you know, we're already condemned. Jesus came to save us from that. Savior who delivers us from the wrath to a proper relationship with God. He didn't come to condemn us. Jesus came to restore our relationship to God to pay the price for us. Now the reality, we have a choice. We have a choice. Verse 16 and 18 repeat a couple of phrases. It says, whoever believes. So we have a choice. 
We have a choice to believe what's written in these words, what's written in the Bible, what John is writing in, in his gospel, to believe in the eternal life that we receive from our belief, from our acceptance in Jesus, that we believe that Jesus is paying the price for us, that he's, not, he's coming to pay for our sins, that we're surrendering our life to him, or not. We can choose not to. So everyone has that choice. Again, I said everyone. It's for every single one of us. We all have that choice. The world has that choice. That means every single one of us, period. Which brings us to another blank on our line, the solution. Now, you probably figured out we already have the solution. God gave us the solution. Jesus is the solution. He was, Jesus was the solution. Now, the problem was, yes, we are all condemned. But there's also a problem with the, the Christmas of we're afraid to use that word anymore. We're afraid to offend someone. People, the view that they have of Christians, the view that they have of we're, we're hateful or we're discriminating or we're judging. So remember the list we gave of and the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What if the world used those words to decide? To, what if the world used those words to describe Christians? What if those were the words that have how people described us? It's full of joy, gentleness, of kindness. Would Christmas be a bad word anymore? Would the world see Jesus and Christians as unattractive anymore? That verse John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Makes that change a little bit. If those are the words they use to describe us, kind of changes the perspective that they have. Now, I don't see a problem with those words. Most of us probably don't see a problem with, those, with that John 3.16. But most of us have to realize, too, is that the world doesn't read the Bible. They don't read the same book we do. might come as a, a strange thing, but non-Christians don't read the Bible. In fact, there was a study that looked, it said 14% of people of Americans read the Bible daily. Now that study went up to 50% say read the Bible, but there was a good chunk of that of people that only read the Bible three to four times a year. So I didn't include that. I just included the ones that, just, that read it daily, that it was part of their life. The world doesn't hold the Bible in the same regards as we do. They don't, they don't see the interest. They don't see the need to read it, and they don't, probably don't ever want to read it. So you're kind of like me, great. What do we do then? Because this is God's word. Yes, we believe in God's word and we study God's word and we learn from God's word. But what somehow we can change the perception of the world? That we can do something. That Christmas isn't a bad word. So I said Jesus is the solution, but how can we as Christians make Christmas not a bad word? And that Christians aren't bad people. 
I think the answer is to be attractive. To be attractive. Now, I'm not talking about Tom Brady and his supermodel wife, who are attractive people. I'm not talking about the physical attractive. I'm talking about people that are attractive by how our life looks, how we live our life. People just want to be around us. People want to hang out with us. We just go somewhere and people just come to us. People are attracted to us. Our lives reflect the love of God, the love of Jesus, the saving love of Jesus. That we're full of love, full of grace, full of acceptance, full of those fruits of the Spirit. One person said it this way, and I like these words. It says, people will be curious why you were kind to them when they may have been a jerk to you. We're still kind to them even when the world's a jerk. We're mistreated. We're made fun of. People will begin angry at us, but yet we still love them and we treat them with kindness. That's attractive. People will wonder why you value their broken, poor, and marginalized and use your finances, your life, and time to help them, even if they never change. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if people become like me. It doesn't matter if they ever accept Jesus. Maybe they turn their back on God. But I still treat them the same. It's still okay. I like them anyway. I love them anyway. That's attractive. Maybe people will marvel that your friend group doesn't just consist of people of the same color, the same sexual orientation or nationality as you, but it spans different beliefs, races, and political views. They'll be shocked that you serve, love, laugh, and mourn with them. So you hang out with people that are different than me. We're not all the same. I have friends that are different. And they realize that I still love them. I spend my life with them. That's attractive. Now this Wednesday night, we had a communion night here where people would come and have communion and pray. And Stan and I were here, and actually I was sitting just right over here, and I was praying, and I watch, I look up, and here I see Dee and Arnie come in. You guys have no idea I'm telling you this story. You had no idea I was looking at you. But um, so Dee and Arnie come in. They come in right over here. They put their Bible down. They put some notes down, and they get on their hands and knees. And they start praying. And they start reading their Bible. And they pray some more. And then Arnie gets up. He gets communion, brings it back to Dee, and share communion with each other. And then they continue to pray, continue to worship, continue to love Jesus, love God. And they're still on their knees. And I'm looking, man, my knees are hurting by now just watching because I, I couldn't do that. And I'm, and I'm over there, I'm weeping inside of this example because here's two people where I'm sure people have been not nice to Dee and Arnie. I'm sure people have taken advantage of Dee and Arnie. I'm sure that I've seen Arnie give people money and they take advantage of him. 
As the one author said, they probably treat them like jerks sometimes. But here I see them worshiping God and I see them continuing to love people time and time and time again. And it doesn't matter. That's attractive to me. Their lives were attractive to me to see that. So what I'm saying is be attractive. Be attractive. Okay, so let's bring this to a conclusion. You've maybe found out by now I've kind of brought Christmas into this, but let's, let's bring a little more Christmas into this. So the last blank is the season. Now what I've been alluding to is without Jesus, we wouldn't have Christmas. Without God loving the world so much, and giving his one and only son to die for our sins, to give us eternal life, we wouldn't have Christmas. Jesus wasn't born, we wouldn't have this holiday. We wouldn't have this holiday to go shopping. We wouldn't have all the presents. We wouldn't have time off with family and friends. We wouldn't eat way too much food. We wouldn't have this without Jesus. We wouldn't have Christmas. You can't have Christmas without Jesus. Let's look at 1 John 4, 9 through 10. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is the season to remember why Jesus was born. I heard Peaches say it. Say it for us. Exactly. Jesus is the reason for the season. But the season is to be attractive. To be attractive to people. To be attractive to people so they become curious. To know why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Why we live the way we live. Not just to open presents and get time off. That we're willing to still love people even when they're jerks to us. We become so attracted to people that people want the greatest Christmas present ever. The gift God gave us of his son Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for the gift you gave us of your son. I thank you for him coming to earth and taking human form and just um, loving us so much and you loving us so much and willing to, to bear our sins and not condemn us, Lord, to save us. So as this season, Lord, comes, I just pray that we can be attractive, that we can be attractive people to the world, that the world will will once again embrace Christmas for, for you, for the season that it's supposed to be, for the season of celebrating the birth of Jesus. Now, so there might be some people in this room that 